quick hits on a Monday morning, my 6 a.m. thoughts on week one of the NFL season. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode. Happy to be back. Was excited to uh, get started back up last Friday and, and hey, taking a look at the numbers as well, too. I'm, I'm happy to see that this show is still something that people uh, can come back to after, you know, a, a year plus hiatus. Uh, before we get into everything today, make sure to follow me on Twitter at Blake Andrew Pace. Um, we're going to be putting out a lot of I guess more content specific to the show, some audio clips, some video clips. I got a bunch of gambling stuff I'm doing for the season. Make sure to check out my other show, Chasing 1969, a New York Jets podcast with my friend Teddy Pristash. Uh, Twitter for that and YouTube is at NYJ underscore Chasing 69. You can follow Teddy at Teddy Huncho on Twitter. Um, and you can also check out some of my Sports Illustrated work there as well, too. Um, kind of like with Friday, just going to get into a few of the big storylines from Sunday. Tomorrow... Uh, will be a little bit more detailed looking at some of the other games. Uh, there's a few teams that I want to check out some of their positional groups. I want to take a look at the Chargers offense, see what they had going there. I, I need to take a, a bigger look at the Chiefs. Um, I started my to put my attention towards some of the other games um, once the Chiefs really started blowing things up, but I do want to take a look at them. Um, and then, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk some Monday Night Football as well, too, uh, on tomorrow's podcast. But today, where I want to start, and this can tie into two different storylines um, from Sunday is, is the word complacency. Um, and, and the NFL has gotten to this point where you, you don't have time to wait around. Um, the league will move past you if you stay complacent. Teams will move past you um, by their decision to not remain complacent. Um, we've seen the last few years, the big storyline has been, if you have a very good team, you go trade for, or get a stud QB and free agency or the trade market, you're no longer being complacent, tying yourself to the quarterback carousel that you're in. And it pays off. The Buccaneers win a Super Bowl when Brady goes there. Matt Stafford wins a Super Bowl with the Rams when he goes there. The Rams, another team, they don't stay complacent. They pay just about every guy. You lose Von Miller. Oh, go get Bobby Wagner. Um, you know, we'll lose Odell to an injury. We'll bring in Allen Robinson. And obviously he was a no-show in week one. But the general consensus is, is that when you have an opportunity and a good roster, the last thing that you can do is stay complacent. And so I want to start in Green Bay today. And obviously the Packers uh, had a terrible offensive showing against the Vikings. Vikings dominated really from the start. Green Bay tried to creep back in and, and kind of held themselves along um, for the most part. but. It was one of those ones where it's like it's a two-possession game, but it feels like a blowout. And they end up losing 23-7. to Rodgers, 22-34, of 195, and a pick, zero touchdowns. Um, on the ground, the duo of Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon was, was pretty good. Um, you know, they both were right around 100 yards combined. Um, and A.J. Dillon had the lone touchdown for the Packers. But talking about complacency... This all starts and we can we're going to get to overreaction Monday at the end of this episode. So take everything with a grain of salt. This is week one and we'll get into the storylines from 2020, 2019 after week one. We'll talk about how funny it is to to overreact here. But when you take a look at the Packers and you take a look at offenses around the league now in these, you know, ridiculous wide receiving rooms, um, it's it is a shame that the Packers leading receiver yesterday is A.J. Dillon. Um, behind him, Romeo Dobbs, their fourth round pick, and tight end Robert Tunyon, third on the list. 
Um, Christian Watson, fourth, their second round pick. The wide receiver room for the Packers is going to take a lot of time to develop. Um, and really, it starts with Aaron Rodgers and his complacency to remain a Green Bay Packer. You know, he spent last offseason contemplating the Broncos, contemplating a lot of, of places, a, a couple at least, that he was considering going to. Um, at the end of the day, he stayed complacent. He said, well, I might as well finish off my career as a Packer. Um, I will stay in Green Bay. They are willing to give me all the money in the world. And that was even knowing that Devontae Adams was no longer going to be part of their team moving forward. So Aaron Rodgers took a look at, at the landscape. And, and instead of saying, I can go chase what Brady and Stafford just did. You know, I'm one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. I only have one Super Bowl. There's this opportunity for me to do kind of what the rest of the league has been doing these last few years. Obviously, the Broncos have Russell Wilson. We'll watch them play tonight, and we'll see how they look against the Seahawks. We'll break down that game quickly at the end as well, too. But for the Packers, Aaron Rodgers stayed complacent. He stayed in his comfort zone. He decided, well, sure, I could go chase a Super Bowl with another team, um, but I'm at the, the, the twilight of my career. We watched the last Packers legend leave and try and chase, you know, other opportunities with former teams. And, and really Favre's end of his career was lackluster and shaky. And he had one good season there with the Vikings, but it was, meh, wasn't great. Um, and Aaron Rodgers decided at the end of the day, let's just stay where I'm comfortable. Let's stay in Green Bay. Let's finish my career out here. Um, so he stayed complacent. And in turn, so did the Packers. Um, they really did not do anything uh, to address their wide receiver room. And when you take a look at two of the strongest teams from last year, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Green Bay Packers, both with two of the best quarterbacks in the game, two really great rosters, strong defenses, and two of the better head coaches in football, they both lost their number one wide receivers. Tyreek Hill goes to Miami because he wants a new contract. Devonta Adams goes to Vegas because he wants a new contract and he wants to play with Derek Carr. Um, his former college teammate. Here's what the Chiefs did. They lose Tyreek Hill, and granted, they still have Travis Kelsey, so it's not like it was an empty receiving room, but they take Marquez Valdez-Scantling away from Aaron Rodgers. They sign Juju Smith-Schuster, the team's leading receiver in week one against the Cardinals, and they draft Sky Moore um, in, in the second round as well, too. The Packers, meanwhile, and they did draft their guys. They, they draft, you know, Christian Watson, got from North Dakota State, Kind of a weird situation where players in North Dakota State, they the transition from FCS does take a little bit of time. And when you consider the COVID years and uh, Watson wasn't really getting a lot of reps, it's kind of like Trey Lance, where he just wasn't getting a ton of reps in college um, as he, you know, ascended into the NFL. So they take him in the second round. They take Dobbs in the fourth round. And outside of that, they keep around Randall Cobb, you know, who uh, I, he had, what, 14 receiving yards. Let me take a look. Yeah, two catches, 14 yards. Um, and they go and bring in Sammy Watkins, three catches, 18 yards. The Packers stayed complacent. These guys were available. You could keep Marquez Valdez-Scantling. You could sign Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, instead, they they stayed complacent. They stayed with uh, really just <laughs> – they weren't aggressive in a league now where you must remain aggressive to stay at the top. Um, there is too much turnover at this point where you see teams like the Chargers saying, we've got something great here. Let's go overpay for the top cornerback that's available in J.C. Jackson. Let's go get another edge rusher uh, to go opposite Joey Bosa. The Raiders, they go get Chandler Jones. The Bills, they go get Von Miller. You know, the Dolphins trying to build around Tua, they go get Tyreek Hill. The Raiders go get Devontae Adams. 
there is no longer a part in this league where you can just stay complacent and and just build your team through the draft and and just expect everybody to turn out great. You know, uh, speaking from a Colts perspective, we have done very little in free agency the last five years. We have remained a very competitive team because Ballard is one of the best guys at drafting in football, but we're missing something that the rest of these teams have that are competitive. It is an elite offense. Um, three really talented wide receivers, or at least a duo of a great wide receiver and a tight end, um, and strong offensive lines. And so the Packers look lackluster in week one. Uh, they put up seven points. Obviously, they've got the Bears on Sunday night football, where they probably will turn things around because Aaron Rodgers does own the city of Chicago. But when you take a look at this for the season, sure, Dobbs and Watson will be a lot better as the year goes on and their connection and Rodgers figuring it out. I'm not sitting on the panic button here for Green Bay, but I'm just saying, you know, for a team that consistently is getting to the NFC title game to just stay complacent and not make the essential upgrades that you need. I can't feel that bad for you at this point. Um, and, and it starts with Rodgers and his complacency to stay in Green Bay, and it allowed the Packers to stay complacent in free agency in the draft. It could work out perfectly fine. The NFC looks terrible, but um, not a great start for the Packers and something that you should definitely keep an eye on because there are teams that are willing to make upgrades for their quarterback for these title windows. Um, and the Packers and Aaron Rodgers stayed complacent, happy with what they had, and uh, lost 23-7 to to the Minnesota Vikings. Second point of conversation I want to get into this week, tying in with complacency a little bit, uh, I want to take a look at the New England Patriots. And, you know, just like the Vikings, real dud of an offensive uh, performance in week one, they lose to the Miami Dolphins 20-7. to Honestly, if Tua, <laughs> for as, as much as, you know, the Dolphins did impress and get a strong win over a divisional opponent, Tua still was a little bit shaky, missed a lot of open throws that could have gone for touchdowns. There was one wide open throw to Tyreek Hill that landed 10 yards in front of his feet that, you know, Tyreek had broken through the the, the back end of the defense there. Um, so 20 to 7, you look, okay, we still, you know, kept this team under three touchdowns. Um, it was still a two possession game for most of the entire game uh, there, but um, the Patriots didn't score their first points of the season until midway through the third quarter. Um, and that was all they could muster. And I don't want to talk about this as complacency because it's a little bit different than the page than the Packers, where the Patriots do change things up a lot personnel wise. You know, they have no problem bringing in new guys and shipping guys out. You know, they've spent over the last two off seasons the most money on wide receivers and tight ends. So they're not staying complacent in terms of roster building, but they're staying complacent in terms of trust and development. And um, adapting to the way that the NFL changes. And, and this New England Patriots offense is stuck in 2005. You know, I, I understand wanting to win through the ground game and to keep, uh, keep games close, win these gritty games where the under goes, you know, 17 to 0 on the season. Um, but the NFL is not about that anymore. The NFL is about fast paced, high scoring teams. And um, kind of like what we saw with, with the Chiefs, with the Bills, the Chargers, the Eagles on Sunday, really strong performance against the Lions offensively. I know defensively they let them creep in. The NFL is now won by high-scoring offenses. And um, the Patriots have tried their best to add in talent that fits what Bill Belichick wants to do. 
But I'm almost starting to get worried that Bill Belichick has been phased out of the NFL. He has total control over just about every you know personnel decision, uh, whether it be free agency, the draft, play calling. He is king, and he's earned that respect because he is the greatest coach to ever uh, grace a football field. But sitting here, you know, 20, 30 years past when he got his uh, the start of his career, the NFL is very different. And, um, you know, seven points to start off a season after a preseason where the offense looked abysmal. Um, Damian Harris, you know, leading the way 48 yards on the ground. Ramon J. Stevenson picking up 25 as well, too. At this point, the Patriots resemble an offense that is is meant for 2005 football. And, and you know, that's where, you know, the, the dynasty started. That's where they got these gritty Super Bowl victories. And obviously, as Brady transformed, the offense for the Patriots transformed. Um, and, and look, last year, the Patriots got off to a really hot start. I believe at one point they were 9-3 and three on the season before a late season collapse. Um, and then to start off this season, it was a stinker. It's been a terrible offseason. Where I come down to with complacency with the Patriots, it's Bill Belichick has a very small trust tree. And in the NFL where you're adapting, you need to open up to new ideas and to a new age offense. Um, And it's not, oh, I'm going to bring in a few coordinators that failed as head coaches and have them run my offense that I want them to. It's no, we're going to go bring in a guy from you know, the Rams coaching tree from the Shanahan coaching tree. We're going to bring in these smart minds. Joe Brady, a guy that was completely phased out of of Carolina and didn't really fit what they were building there. He goes and signs as the quarterback's coach with Buffalo. New England should have been taking a guy like that in. You need to have a bunch of fresh ideas for the way that the NFL is adapting and bringing in two coaches, one that was a defensive coordinator and one was a special teams coordinator, both failed head coaches to run an offense. That's not adapting to the NFL. That's forcing the NFL to try and fit into what you were 15 years ago. And the Patriots have had all the success in the world. And Bill Belichick is the one coach in the league that I agree gets the benefit of the doubt when it comes to these things. But with the offseason they had, um, with the preseason they had, and with the inconsistency drafting, um, the money spent in the wrong places, probably as far as receivers and tight ends go, letting players walk that are really important to the team. I just, I can't sit here and say that, you know, I trust Bill Belichick to change at this point. He has shown a very, uh, he, he's very unwilling to adapt to the NFL and it's a complacency with himself. Um, and I, I just, at the end of the day, and we're going to get to overreaction Monday and I don't want to sound too drastic, but I, I predicted the Patriots to have a six and 11 season. I thought the defense would keep them in a lot of games and the offense wouldn't be able to do much. That was what we saw week one. We'll see in week two against Pittsburgh. Um, but for right now, my storyline with the Patriots this, this season is how much longer is Bill Belichick going to stay around? Um, if he chooses to bring in fresh minds and new perspectives and some of the new age offense things that we see across the league that are successful and are winning Super Bowls and, you know, advancing far in playoff games, then fine. Bill Belichick can stay around. But at the end of the day, another down season here um, after the late season collapse the year before the COVID year that was ugly with Cam Newton. I just I don't see a situation in which he can keep this rolling 
as the Bill Belichick of 2005 and, you know, Patriots Nation and Robert Kraft staying happy with him as the head coach. So the last thing that I want to finish on today before we talk a little bit about Monday Night Football is this is Overreaction Monday. This is the one single week where all of us talking about the sports will look as dumb as possible because we'll react to what we saw yesterday and just use it for the next three to four weeks. Meanwhile, half of these storylines won't last another couple of days. So just for comparison, I wanted to go back to the 2021 season, take a look at some of the results and see how they played out the rest of the way. Let's start off Cardinals Titans. Cardinals march into Nashville and they win 38 to 13. Kyler Murray was fantastic. 21 to 32, 300 yards, four touchdowns did have a pick in there. Uh, the Titans, meanwhile, lousy on offense. Uh, Derrick Henry, 58 yards. Ryan Tannehill was fine, 212 and a touchdown and a pick. But you take a look at that game and you say, Carolina's fantastic. Tennessee is scary. And then you go through and you play the rest of the regular season. The Titans, albeit a lackluster one seed, still get the one seed in the AFC. Um, and meanwhile, the Cardinals phase out as they had the last, the, the previous year as well, too. Um, started off the season great and then just, you know, limped their way to the end of the regular season. So really played that result out. Definitely worked in in the favor for the Titans there. Uh, how about the Packers, a team that, you know, again, looked lousy in week one this year, a week, a, a year ago, got blown out by the Saints 38 to three. And obviously there was the massive overreaction. Aaron Rodgers, 15 to 28, 133, zero touchdowns, two picks. A.J. Dillon with 19 yards on the ground. Meanwhile, Jameis was efficient, 14 of 25 touchdowns. Kamara, 83 yards on the ground there, too. Hey, the Saints, real competition in the NFC while the Packers, hey, Maybe this thing is just done. Maybe Aaron Rodgers needs to move on from Green Bay. Obviously, their seasons flip as well, too. The Saints miss the playoffs, and the Packers, uh, you know, are, are another game away from making it to the NFC title, um, to making another AFC title appearance. And, and we're stuck here playing the results of the Packers and worrying about them because they mustered three points in week one. Um, let's just give you one more. Let's take a look at this schedule just to see if there's anything else that pops out to me. Steelers-Bills. You know, the Bills, obviously, you know, they were 13 seconds away from making it to the AFC title game last year. Week one, they lost to the Bills 20 or to the Steelers, excuse me, 23 to 16 at home. Allen was erratic. Uh, the Steelers performed well defensively. Obviously, the Steelers end up, you know, kind of avoiding a losing season. But the Bills turned out to be one of the stronger teams through the rest of the regular season and into the playoffs. Yet we are playing the results in week one saying, man, this Bills thing. What do we have here with Josh Allen? There still wasn't that Josh Allen is a bona fide stud. And here we are a year later. Some arguing he's the best quarterback in football. I say all that. And I, I, I wanted to put this after, you know, talking about the Patriots and the Packers here to say half of these storylines that we're taking a look at won't make it past week three. Um, you know, the, the, the Patriots who I just talked about, they go beat the Steelers. They get their next win. They're two and one. Who cares at that point? The Packers. I, I'm not saying that I, I I think I said in there as well, too, that I don't expect them to be bad. But, you know, if their wide receiver room figures it out and Rodgers gets these connections, they'll be just fine. You know, the Titans, they lose another week one game. That AFC South doesn't look all that great. Could they still sneak in as the team that that wins that division there? Of course. You know, they lost by one point on a missed field goal. The Bengals. 
people really want to re overreact there. And the Steelers, you know, another week one gutsy win against a team that we have high expectations for. The Bengals could be just fine. The offensive line didn't perform great, but offensively, when you've got Burrow, uh, you've got Mixon, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins concussed right now, but Tyler Boyd as well, too. Look, I trust good offenses to figure it out. Um, the 49ers, my team that I picked to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl, they lost an absolute stinker to the Bears. We're going to play the results of saying Trey Lance doesn't have it. They need to move to Jimmy G. Terrible weather conditions. It's his first live action as a starting quarterback in almost four years now for Trey Lance. Let's not play the reaction. Let's not play the results here. Let's play the themes. Um, let's see. What are some other ones we can pick out here? The Commanders, 28-22, to 22, looking strong in the NFC East. Are you really going to put your faith in Carson Wentz when four years in a row now he is phased out at the end of each season? I know we want to play the results here and, and, and say that the Commanders are going to be strong again, but it's Jacksonville and they won by six and they had a few plays in there that could have lost them the game pretty easily. Buccaneers-Cowboys, that'll be the last one that we'll say here. Buccaneers win 19-3. to Pretty convincing win. They looked pretty ugly on offense, though. Um, really weren't able to move the ball that well, and now they've got another offensive lineman hurt. So I just bring all of this up to say let's not play the week one results. I think it's better to play the themes of the game and, and kind of say, oh, I'm going to keep my eye on this, and we'll see how everything works out. But to overreact here and to say this team's done for or this team's winning the Super Bowl, let's pump the brakes. I know everybody's saying the Bills are going to go 20-0 and now because of how fantastic they looked against the Rams. Let's just wait a week. Let's wait two weeks. Half of these storylines won't exist anymore. All righty, and last but not least, let's just do a, a few quick minutes previewing Monday Night Football, the Denver Broncos, Russell Wilson making his long-awaited return of, of six months to Seattle to take on the Seahawks. And they're, this game is so interesting because for his amicable as the breakup was both sides seemed to feel like they were slighted against by the other you know Pete Carroll is saying yeah I hope our our fans you know are are supportive of of the Seahawks and and boo Russell Wilson meanwhile Russell look the Seahawks had tried multiple times to move past him as a quarterback you know they they wanted Josh Allen they almost traded Russell Wilson to Cleveland for the number one pick back in 2018 when they took Baker Seahawks were going to take Josh Allen. I think in the long run, if you're just reading the tea leaves, I think Pete Carroll is a coach that said, hey, the best way to win a Super Bowl is to have a very cheap quarterback contract and a young, good quarterback and a great team around him. That's how he built the Legion of Boom with a really good offensive line. And they got lucky with Russell Wilson as a third round pick, making, you know, a million bucks a year saying, well, now we've got this good quarterback. Let's just build everything around him. They were ready to do that again on multiple occasions. And now they're starting over and doing that again here as well, too, is Seattle. So there's this weird Things are fine, but they're not fine. Russell probably feels like the Seahawks didn't do enough around him to help him out, um, that they were kind of held back offensively. Offensive line play was eh. You know, they ended up getting DK in there, but before that, the wide receiver room was also meh. Never really a strong run game, too. And then the Seahawks are like, well, we feel slighted because Russell wanted to leave. It's like, eh, you did try and, and get rid of him a, a couple of times at the very least. So, you know, you walk into this game now and I am going to just expect ugliness just based on what we saw from the league um, and all these teams that have formed new quarterbacks and new pieces. And there's not a lot of preseason action going. I'm going to say it's going to be an ugly game here. 
Um, I, I think that the Broncos are a good team. I believe I have them as a playoff team at 10 and seven. I'd have to go back and check my predictions. Um, and I think the Seahawks are probably one of the less talented teams in the league this year, but just for this week one, I, I think it's going to take the Broncos a little bit more time to get things rolling. And the Seahawks for the most part are one of those teams that will always play you tough um, because they're strong defensively and they know how to win ugly. So um, I do think the Broncos pull out this win here. I am going to take the Seahawks plus six and a half. I think it'll be a little bit of a close game. I'm going to take the under. I think it's sitting at 44 right now. I just, I, I don't see a way in which this is a shootout. I don't expect the Seahawks offense to do all that much. And I think that the Seahawks defense will be able to do just fine against a, a shaky offensive line for the Broncos and uh, and an offense that a lot of new parts is still trying to figure things out. You know, I'm trying to think what offenses that were, you know, formed overnight this past offseason look strong you know the Chiefs the Chiefs added in you know wide receivers but for the most part that offense is Kelsey Mahomes a good offensive line so it wasn't them too much the Packers look slow um trying to think what other teams really did a ton this offseason that really didn't have much to show for it. you know the, the Panthers looked rough in that first half um so, yeah, I'm just going to say it's an, it's going to be an ugly game. I'm going to take the under here. I, I think the Broncos pull out the win, but it's not going to be anything pretty. And, um, you know, we'll we'll talk, I guess, expectations for both of those teams on Tuesday's podcast, along with, like I said, I want to take a look at some other units. I want to take a look at the Chargers offense. I want to take a look at the Panthers offense. Um, Got to talk the Colts at some point because I, I just – I'm sitting, I'm, I was working during the one o'clock slate yesterday, but I'm sitting in the back office just watching the Colts having a heart attack because they just, they never know how to make things easy on me. But uh, maybe we'll take a look at some of these other games as well. So I want to take a look at Trey Lance, even though really how much can you take away from that? But uh, give me the the Broncos to win. Give me the Seahawks plus six and a half and give me the under of 44 and a half. Those will be my plays for the night. Um, but that will wrap it up for today. Quick hits on September 12th. We'll be back tomorrow, Monday Night Football Reactions, a little bit more NFL content. Chasing 69 will be out on Wednesday. We'll probably have another uh, quick hits on Thursday and then Friday as well, too. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Blake Andrew Pace. Follow all my work at Sports Illustrated, the other podcast, Chasing 69, with my good friend Teddy Pristash. I appreciate you all as always, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace.